0: Listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting, a series that draws on the experience of experts to unearth the principles of personal and team leadership. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us. First, I want to introduce you to our first speaker, James Natsas, who is the CEO of Apricot Consulting. James, welcome.
1: Well, good afternoon to everyone jumping on this afternoon Zoom call. It feels like we are always uh, in a screen. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have my cat jumping on me, and then I have the kids screaming. Fortunately for me at the moment, they're actually back at school, or at least some of them are. It's uh, great to meet you all. And as James said from the outset, we are an organisation that very much focuses on commercial and social outcomes so as a predominant focus area we look on we work on the people side and in fact we work especially hard to integrate people process and technology and we have as a firm and it's also individually in my experience worked a lot in a digital HR strategy space which is a huge area of opportunity particularly the fact that we're living in the digital age right now and uh, i think COVID has certainly accelerated some of those things to really look at those things more intentionally moving forward terrific
0: thanks james uh we also have james della three james is on the call today uh who is the regional sales director at Almo? uh james
2: welcome yeah thanks james yeah hopefully the <laughs> the, uh, the three james won't get too confused or uh cross over too much but uh no really happy to be here today and, and as james said um You know, feeling like you know a bit of positivity with the kids going back to school and the the weather getting back, which is great. Um, I guess just to give a very high level view of what Elmo does, we're an Australian organisation, been around since two thousand and two, and very much focused on uh, Mm -hmm. the Australian New Zealand market and how we can work with organisations to help uh, lift their capabilities uh, in supporting both HR and, and payroll. Um, areas uh, and very much around automation and looking at, you know, um, sort of facilitating uh, that, that growth within your organisation as you mature and look to support new people. Great.
0: Yeah. As long as the three Jameses don't get too confused, we <laughs> should be we should be okay. And finally, we have Justine Figo, who is author, an author, speaker and HR mentor. And it's great to have her on the panel today as well. Justine, welcome.
3: Thank you so much for having me, James, James and James. <laughs> uh, my name is Justine Figo. I am the author of uh, Connect Better Faster. I'm an HR mentor, I'm an executive coach, and I'm also founder of Australia's most genuinely connected HR directors network. It's me. Right. Welcome.
0: Welcome along, Justine. And so uh, as I said a moment ago, if you do have any questions, please do pop them in the chat bar, and we'll aim to get to those. But if we do run out of time today, I encourage you to raise them again in our networking uh, breakout room sessions. And again, if we can't get to them, please just send us an email. We'd love to have a discussion with you uh, after this uh, session anyway. Um, So let's jump into the first question that we have here and this is for you Justine. Firstly what do you see as the future of performance and productivity and how do we prepare for it?
3: Thanks James. I think the most uh, interesting part of that question was the, the results from the poll that we just had which is that our, our biggest challenge is ownership and accountability. And I think it's really telling because it says that is our is our performance management even driving performance and as we move towards productivity the insight is going to be we're going to move away from performance towards conversation so we're going to move from control to conversation we're going to move from hours to output That's going to really move towards trust and I think what's really exciting is at this point in time has really shown that we can do that and we can move away from, well, who cares when you're in the office? Who cares how, much, how you turn up? Who cares if you wear tracky dacks to the meeting? Let's actually pay attention to being our best selves and actually have the conversations that count to get the work done that matters. And that's where we're heading.
0: Right. James, that's just for you. In a largely virtual world, what do you see as being the biggest organisational shifts required to
1: enhance performance management process and outcomes? Well, we're in very unique times, so the answer is not, I don't think, a particularly simple one. We don't have a playbook for managing a pandemic, we certainly don't have one to navigate the digital age particularly well. Uh, what we have seen has happened. Is that the digital agenda has been accelerated, like a big turbocharger on the digital agenda, and as a consequence of that, the the notion of a learning organisation. We've all probably on the call here today, from a HR background, probably heard that, spoken a lot about that before. The, the need for adaptability, for learning, for reskilling, for those elements that become uniquely important for sustainability become even more important. And so the role of a manager becomes, uh, I think, even more important. And uh, as Justine alluded to before, work from anywhere, Uh, it's no longer work from home, WFH, it's work from anywhere. As a consequence of that outcomes become even more important and activities become less important. What I mean by that is the, execution of outcomes is essentially as critically as important as ever but how they get done become uh, more important from a management perspective and the role that a leader does in facilitating how those things are played out how ownership is then deferred to teams becomes more important than ever the role of hr is equally important in this era but it's very much about mobilizing line managers to drive that ownership at the grassroots level or the execution level and ensure there's a regular cadence around what's expected and there's clarity around that and then of course there's the tracking of that and then there's the just-in-time feedback that goes with it. I think those things are even more important in this changing landscape as things are literally changing day by day. So the whole notion of this once a year, once every half year, once every quarter assessments is becoming almost redundant largely.
0: Great thanks Thanks, James and to you again James, uh, how does an organisation integrate People, processes, and technology more effectively to create a strong performance culture?
1: It's a great question. I think, unfortunately, where and uh, research in this space is pretty uh, damning in a way, we tend to do these things in silos. So, for example, there will be a business strategy that then cascades into a HR, IT, finance function, and they then tend to sit as islands on their own without ever really integrating effectively Uh, in our work with building digital HR strategy and roadmaps uh, one of the key steps is to integrate those functions and bring them in the conversation because data itself still sits largely within a a payroll function within a HR function if it's core master data and then of course the IT uh, then becomes a critical enabler of that data transfer so one of the key steps is to ensure that in the development of a strategy and whether that be in a performance strategy or a talent management one, that digital is brought into the co- same conversation, not as an afterthought or not simply as an enabler, which has historically been the way it's been with technology. It's just an enabler. It's no longer just an enabler. It's actually a core part of how we do work and how work is done and all those bits and pieces so one of the first steps is to ensure that we integrate those functions and it often starts with having human to human conversations about what IT needs, what payroll needs, what HR needs and then building out a strategy and roadmap that integrates those pieces together because they must go together. The final thought on that point is then to ensure you have a good change management approach and strategy that is very line manager intensive because again that's they become the custodians of the outcomes of that to ensure the adoption and the ROI is delivered upon for the business
0: great great James and James still reported to you given that COVID has accelerated the digital agenda what does the digital experience look like in performance management
2: yeah James I think it's really important actually I think um what this is doing is it's really bringing communication to the front and showing us how important it is, uh, you know, throughout organisations as well as leaders to communicate very clearly and effectively. So, um, you know, coming back to exactly what James Nats has talked about, that technology can facilitate this, but we need to allow managers and teams to, uh, to have those conversations and do it in a meaningful way. So we've already seen particularly with, you know, all the lockdowns and isolation, how Zoom and chat tools have come to the fore. And, they've you know, we use Slack in an incredibly diverse and, and, and uh, useful way. Um, but what we're also seeing is how can we um, use our technology to provide that level of support, but not get in the way. Um, and, and I think that's a really important thing. We talk about Um, you know, working in the flow. And and what we mean by that is that technology should always be there and and acting as a facilitation, and support for the organisations, but we don't want it to um, disrupt or or break, you know, people out of their thought cycles or their day-to-day work. It should be there in the background in a seamless way so it's not interrupting, um, but providing all the tools and the facilities so that we can actually lift our, our, you know, our, our work Uh, To another level. Um, Another thing is also around measurement which is a key part of performance and and James touched on this as well. Um, When you're working in a distributed uh, or a remote environment we really need to make sure that we don't end up falling into that micromanagement mode which is very easy as a a manager because you feel like you're losing control because you're not there. Um, So we need to focus on how do we measure outcomes Um, And and that's all about setting expectations and seeing how we get towards those, but also behaviours because culture is really important and the way that we act and the way that we do our work will drive us towards that higher level of performance as well. So using that rather than measuring activities and and sort of value-based activities is uh, a lot more effective And then finally, we we can also look at some of the more fun and interesting ways to improve engagement, which, again, there's some very strong ties between engagement and and productivity and performance. So how do we, you know, tap into things like gamification and make things a bit more competitive in a fun and um, interesting way and how do you use social um, connection as well, so peer recognition and and social recognition within your organisation to, you know, reward and recognise um, that the high level of performance as well. So these are some of the areas that we're looking at um, around how, you know, the digital experience really does change.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks. Great thoughts there. And James, again, to you, that's James Duffer-Porter. Tech plays a massive role in enabling organisations to support performance management processes. How is ELMO positioning their products to support organisations to do performance management better?
2: Yeah, no, again, great question, James. And um, again, I'm going to lean on on one of the points James and made earlier. Um, We're really starting to see many organisations move away from that one conversation a year, which was, you know, really quite intimidating and scary, not just for the, you know, the individual contributors, but often for the managers as well. And so we need to move into a continuous discussion, which um, allows us to break things up into smaller conversations. Um, It's a lot more interactive and, you know, at that point of time of need, it allows us to tweak and refine that conversation throughout the year. Um, But more importantly, what it does is actually sets up a framework for coaching. And coaching is really critical uh, when we talk about performance. And, you know, one of the key things that we're looking for here is how, as a a technology, can we set up that um, support to have that ongoing coaching discussion, but also have that focus on coaching is all about teasing information out of people and getting them to realise how they can change or improve or or course correct, rather than having one person tell them what to do. So it's much more of a, you know, a two-way conversation. So that's really critical um, I talked about um, engagement, um, so, you know, finding out ways that we can actually use the technology to keep people interested in their work. But it's also a way that we can actually bring in things like predictive analytics. So right now, Elmo has a partnership with uh, University of Technology in Sydney, um, and they've got a huge AI lab, and we're, we've been working with them for, uh, it's probably over nine months now now how we can incorporate data and tools into our platform to allow managers to understand you know, what's going on and what may be happening, looking at lead indicators. So as an example, if you've got an employee that has traditionally been very engaged, they do their work on time, but all of a sudden they're you know, they not um, completing their tasks or they're getting slower at completing things, that could be a lead indicator that you've got a flight risk or someone who's disengaged. And you need to tap into that and be able to jump in before you get to that point where there's a a challenge or a risk. And then finally, again, (laughs) I seem to be, you know, coming back to James's points because he's very much on on point here. Um, Having a a technology or a platform that is seamless and fully integrated that can provide multiple tools and supports because we want to make sure that we can give that holistic view to our teams and our employees. So performance doesn't just stop and start with a conversation around how you're going. It also talks about, you know, how do you improve your skills through learning and development and enabling skills? Um, how do you also look at succession planning? and take a look at risks um, at, you know, the highest level performers in the organisation How do you make sure you plan for who might be stepping into a new role and providing career transition and planning uh, and that sort of thing. And, you know, even capturing information through surveys, which, again, is a really important way of actually getting a finger on the pulse and understanding what's going on in the organisation. So there are multiple areas where technology can support a HR business and, and really help to lift things up.
0: Yeah, yeah, great, and and one thing you mentioned in there about the importance of uh, coaching and the role that coaching plays in there, and Justine, to you, and actually I want to open up to James Natsas as well, this next question. Um, if you were coaching line managers right now to provide them with some tools to enhance the performance of their teams during COVID, what advice would you give them?
3: Well, it's interesting, this idea of fully integrated technology because we're actually gonna need fully integrated people as well. And there's gonna be a real issue, there is already emerging a real issue and a really, really exciting need to smash silos. So if we're talking about Um, You need IT to talk and you need HR to talk and you need your line managers to be owning the issues. You need people who have the ability to come and fully integrate and work together, not just within their team, but to work across the team and to influence without authority and and to work across the whole business, which means that they not only need the ability to coach, but they need the ability to think across the whole organisation and in order to do that uh, it's a, a broader whole team thinking and it's also a greater good thinking so there's this, uh, an, an, an extra all-in skill and, and positivity and ability to pull, team, pull people together that we need to be fostering uh, as we as we integrate everybody and, and and create a togetherness that we haven't needed to create before. I'll hand over to James because I can
1: talk about it for hours. James. The integration piece is a really good one at multiple levels. And you see this happening at uh, even the rise of agile and how this cross-functional component of of everyday work now becomes a continually larger expectation reality. We have stand-ups, we have workflow meetings and so forth. And... I think some of the challenges in our time now, particularly because of the distributed working model, but also because the things are changing so often. So the whole notion of setting a goal 12, 12 months out now, good luck trying to do that during COVID. Um, talk about finger in the air. It's, uh, it's a hand in the air, basically, trying to, trying to make sense of it. So it, there's two sides of it that I find that we're, we're doing a lot with our clients at the moment. One's around the expectation setting. And more and more we've found in this season, this whole notion of clarifying expectations becomes almost daily, if not a weekly event. So that's a really key management role. What's expected and calibrating on what is expected of their employees. So that's the first part. To me, that's a key part of it. The second part's around how we give feedback. And to pick up on what something that you said about being integrated humans Justine is we've lost the art of having conversation generally. And I think what zoom has done is it's made it even worse. So we're we're going back to ground zero often with our clients around, how do you give feedback? And sometimes you can go through and one model is to suggest is you always give the hard information first never use a sandwich. I don't like the sandwich model. Never have. Uh, the other option is actually something that James DeLaporte mentioned earlier, which is the coaching model. And the coaching model is essentially built on a couple of key tools and that is the art of asking questions and open questions and to me that's where just in time coaching and management becomes at its fore in performance management is very quickly to ask a simple question which is how did you feel it went what would you do differently and what you're doing there is you're shifting the ownership from you to them because that's actually the key for any performance management conversation most of the research says that 90 Plus percent of people want feedback to improve their game, and but they want it done in a constructive way. One of the best ways to diffuse the heat of performance feedback is to do it via question. It disarms and it provides the opportunity for your ownership. As soon as you get ownership, then the follow-up question is, when do you feel you need to do it by? So what you're then doing is you're putting a, a stop sign on it to ensure that there's an activity that executes. And the third question is often the one that's missed out completely, which is, what can I do to help you? So what you're then doing is, because as a manager, you're ultimately accountable for the performance of your team. If you want to drive a continuous learning environment or a learning organisation environment, those questions about what would you do differently become important, you put a stop sign on it by asking them about when they would do it by. um, And that creates then its own accountability, which if you need to, you can document on. But the third question is then, what can I do to help you becomes even more important? Because ultimately, if people are not performing in your team, It's your responsibility as a manager to ensure that they are the buck and the accountability stops with you and your role is to create a culture and an environment for performance to succeed. Great.
0: Thanks, James. And anything to add from you there, James Dallaporta, on that that last question?
2: I I think James really hit it on the head. I I think coaching is so important and Mm -hmm. and it's... having that ability to ask the right questions, to not be scared of the difficult conversations, but to provide that support to your people. Um, And that probably ties into the resilience pieces. How do we teach people to be resilient? This is something I face on a daily basis with um, both uh, a sales organisation that I work with and also kids at home as well. And resilience is probably one of the most important skills across both of those demographics, which is quite strange. And so we need to teach people to be able to go through the emotional highs and lows, to be able to be self-sufficient, which is critical. Um, But then as a manager, how can you provide the best support? And and it really is about asking questions in a a constructive and open and friendly way to really get that information out and understand how you you can best leverage that.
0: Yeah, great, and it, and it really uh, quite clearly links to our next question, which is on resilience. And, again, I want to open it up to everyone because I do think this is a huge topic right now uh, that is resilience and what are companies doing to enhance the resilience of their people? And probably more specifically, how do they balance a focus on well-being while driving performance? Maybe I'll start with you, Justine.
3: I think the very first thing is not getting stuck in this zero sum idea that I'm either pushing my people or I'm looking after them because the, 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 when we're in our best state, we can deliver our best results. And if you get great people who are in the right roles, they're going to want to achieve so the, the best companies are setting their people up for success and that's been the way before COVID, it's been the way during COVID and it's going to be the way after COVID. And that's a really important thing to keep coming back to. I work with a lot of HR directors and um, some of them are really quite burnt out and they're really high high accountability. And they'll come back and they'll say, well, hang on, how can I see these up? Other- some HR directors seem to be thriving and I'm having trouble and I find it really interesting that one of the biggest differentiators is really the environment that they're in and they're in a less supportive environment so the, the, the biggest way to create resilience is actually to create a supportive environment and what a supportive environment looks like is often a, a transparent CEO a, um, sometimes a vulnerable CEO a team that's supportive but calls each other up, that looks after each other, that appreciates each other, that redistributes um, tasks when it's too much, that has clear goals, that says, thank you, I see you, I see you had a tough day, can I help, how are you going? And then it's all of the other tactical, practical stuff, such as your EAP, uh, getting coaches in to, to help you to have to upskill. But honestly, if you have a culture that genuinely cares and is supporting then you will see that same individual who's having a tough time in a tough organisation suddenly thrive and flourish in a different organisation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And James Natsis, what are you, as a C, as CEO of Apricot Consulting, uh, what are you seeing right now uh, in that, uh, with that topic of resilience?
1: Firstly, I love Justine's point about it's not zero sum. And I think sometimes it's either or all, And I love that, that point. Uh, well, I see resilience and performance of two wings of the same plane uh we need both and so to be honest it's to be frank with you it's a tension to be managed in, in in one sense of the word because in a sense the sustainability piece is, is built on productivity and performance so people's jobs and livelihoods will often depend on their performance and as a consequence that impacts back on resilience but i think justin said it touched on a really co- good couple of things so part of it is is being really clear on expectations and that, that's a key part of it. But having enough of what I call, you can't really do it now, it's almost like a slow walk across the screen, but a slow walk across the room to touch base and find out how people are going is often, it should often be the starting point of any meeting. And I think more so than ever, and certainly we've been coaching people about that to spend more time in the how are you going? Not just the once a year, are you okay, day. And I think that's really important, but really asking spending a bit more time in the moment and being okay with silence and being okay with um, letting them share what they share uh, because i think that says to them that they're also important and critically important um, the other point that we do a lot in, in one of the areas seven areas of health that we look at when we're doing a culture assessment on an organization is the area of purpose probably more than ever the role or the purpose of an organization the purpose we often design, define as the why, not just the what we do or what our vision is. It's the why, and it's got a very human element to it. And so that clarifying that for your team becomes even more important because that actually creates, it actually feeds. So when we look at resilience, uh, one of the areas is what we call spiritual, which is connected to your purpose. And the more that you can align what your team does with an outcome, a customer, or a need that you meet uh, in the community, or via a customer network that you have, the more that people can associate themselves and the role that they can play in achieving that. And incidentally, the more that it enables and supports resilience. Something about looking at some of those not-for-profits around the world where a lot of people work really hard and not always with a lot of money uh, because they're so aligned and connected to the purpose of that organization. So I think it's a really good opportunity if you're a team leader, if you're a manager, or if you're a CEO or a GM that you have a really good look at your purpose and what it is and then help people to understand where they fit in that because that does support and reinforce resilience. All the other bits and bobs people are doing at the moment are good also. So you'll notice the companies are having Friday afternoon meeting free. We've heard about those types of days, you know, Zoom free days, walk while you're chatting, all those things around the physical element become important. Uh, but ensuring that we take, we'll take a holistic look at that, we'll also see a shift in performance as well. Great.
0: Thanks, James. And James Delaporter, to you, anything to add from your point,
2: your view? James, that's pretty much taken the words out of my mouth. I was thinking already when Justine was speaking about how uh, one of my favourite uh, authors and, and idols that I look up to is Simon Sinek and, um, James has pretty much paraphrased him perfectly there. So, you know, he's most probably most famous for start with why, which is actually something we use in sales all the time. Um, but it's really important with your people is understanding purpose and, and and why someone wants to do something or, or what they're trying to achieve. Um, and that is is absolutely critical. That you know, um, our um, our sense of purpose and our sense of being is so much attached to that, and, and we derive so much joy and pleasure and, and a sense of, you know, achievement through that. So it's, it's critical to have that. But the, the other piece, um, his, his more recent book, The Infinite Game, is, is actually really interesting and it takes a look at how you need to take yourself away from setting short-term goals and and, meet, and, and trying to set a, a hard stop on something and then driving, you know, a huge amount of performance towards that and actually looking at the grander picture, which again comes back to vision and purpose But if we, you know, play things out over what is the right thing to do over an extended period of time rather than how do I just hit this immediate short-term goal that may burn me up? Um, And and then once that happens, you reset and start again and and there's no chance to recalibrate or or understand what you've done or why you've done that. So having that vision and purpose is absolutely critical. Um, and, And it comes, again, back to engagement. If you've got that vision and purpose aligned, then people are engaged, and we know that engaged people perform at a higher level.
0: Yeah, great, I'm sure Simon Sinek as well would be happy with that little book plug from you there, James, <laughs> 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 you
2: James as well. So,
0: oh, uh, I have also read it, and it's uh, The Infinite Game is a terrific book, so yes. Thanks for listening to Inside Healthy Teams by Apricot Consulting. We hope you found it helpful. And if you did, it would help us if you could rate and review this episode on your podcast platform and subscribe for more episodes. For more information, go to apricotconsulting.us.